Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to our latest House Sports Podcast. It is the end of the NFL season, and uh, it's the, the sports world kind of slows down for us at Outsports every February 4th or 3rd or 5th or whenever the day after the Super Bowl is. Outsports got its start in the NFL. It's still our favorite topic of discussion. You have to forgive us for that. And we're going to end this NFL season, I think, talking some football. Jim, uh, you know, you and I met playing football. We, our friendship grew because of football, and uh, you know what? I don't think that football is ever going to be taken out of the blood of outsports. Well, and well, it shouldn't. I mean, if people knew how much traffic we get from writing about football, it is, I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's the most popular sport in the country, college and pro, especially the NFL. The Super Bowl was watched by more people than any other television show in American history. So it's kind of what people talk about, and it's it was also what kind of got us both into doing out sports in the first place. We wanted a forum to have gay guys talk sports, and football was the natural entree since we were both really passionate about it. And I think if we hadn't been NFL fans, probably never would have started the website. We wouldn't have cared. Yeah. Well, you know, it's... Um... It's been an interesting season for the NFL. Uh, 2014 was a fascinating year. There were so many headlines off the field that dominated the news. Michael Sam coming out, Ray Rice, and the video that came out of, of him uh, uh, hitting his wife. Adrian Peterson missing the entire season because of uh, you know, allegations about child abuse. And people, I remember in September, October, were saying, you know, this is the beginning of the end for the NFL, yet it draws the highest (laughs) number of viewers in television history. And what's even more powerful is the highest rating ever for the NFL. Even back when there were only three channels to watch, the Super Bowl didn't bring in a 49.7 or whatever it ended up getting. And with hundreds of channels now today, I mean that half of the TVs were tuned to this one program, just tells you the, the NFL is not going anywhere. At least not now. I think maybe long-term demographically, a fewer parents allow their kids to play football, et cetera, et cetera. But that's a ways away. Uh, I mean, you, you just look at it was – and the game itself was so compelling in terms of just excitement. I mean, a friend of mine, Bill, that you know who is mm-hmm. – not a football fan at all, watches the Super Bowl every year on tape, calls me at 10.15 Sunday, L.A. time. Of course, just watched the end of the game at 10.15. <laughs> and he goes, why did they not run the ball? It's like, and he was like really like into the idea of this. Why did they not do this? And it was what everybody was, t- people are still talking about it. Bill Dwyer in the L.A. Times, one of their lead columnists. Today, the whole column was about Pete Carroll's play call. And this is four days later. So, it has that thing. It's one of the few things in life anymore that is sort of this communal thing that, you know, people watch their own TV shows, they listen to their own music, watch their own movies. But this is the one thing, and especially because it's live. I mean, you cannot, 
other than Bill, you really can't watch the NFL uh, game on tape and really get the same feel. But it's still the one thing that kind of unites sort of so many people. And the audience is actually much bigger than what they say because they don't count people in sports bars. They don't count a party of 30 people that, you know, maybe has one box, so it gets counted as one or two viewers. So um, it is the one thing that, you know, gay, straight, bi, questioning, transgender, whatever you are, you know, it's something that people watch. And I think that, that this season was was a testament to it. But I always find those, oh, the end of the NFL is like long term, but nothing to do with these incidents, everything to do with, you know, health and stuff. But yeah, and plus when you get a game like that, it's something yeah. that people want to talk about. Well, there are so many different angles we could talk about, and 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 so let, let's talk about a, a few of them. First is the play, and 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 here's my thing about this, about that play call, that I haven't, uh, I haven't really listened or, or read anything since about Monday on this, but I haven't heard anybody really say this, that, you know, I'm okay with a, with a pass, you know, assuming that they had the to throw one of those three downs because they screwed up the clock. I mean, if I were them, I probably would have done a run a little bit earlier, uh, not waited till 25 seconds, maybe done it at 35, and then you could have run three times. But assuming they weren't going to do that, a pass isn't a terrible, isn't it a terrible idea? But the pass that they called was a disaster. What you need down there at the one-yard line is options for the quarterback. And one of those options has to be throw the ball away. The quick-release timing pattern that they called was the last thing that you can call a rollout with Russell Wilson with a, with a, with a receiver across the goal line and one in the back of the end zone. Somebody's not wide open. He throws the ball away. But to throw this quick, you know, one-step pass, I, that the, the pass they called, not that they called the pass, to me was the disaster. Well, yeah, I think calling a pass in and of itself was a bad decision because I think they could have gotten three plays off. And actually, Belichick said he would have called a timeout had they run on second down, so they would have had two more yep. plays regardless. But Seattle obviously didn't know that. But they screw the clock up, and if they really want you have the best short yardage running back in the league. And he had run 15 times in the game. 13 times he got plus yardages, two times he got stopped for no gain. You give him the ball two times, he's going to get a yard in my estimation. But you're right. If you're going to do a pass, you do something where the quarterback has the option of throwing it away, not where he has to make the quick read and throw, and then he's throwing into traffic. And even if Butler didn't intercept it, maybe he knocks it up in the air and one of the linebackers gets it. It was just, it was kind of like when the, these teams do these corner fades on fourth down. You know, the yeah. all or nothing, it's like you want to just scream at the TV set. And it just, it was funny. It, there's been, I've read a lot about the call itself because I'm interested in what people say. And all these analytics gurus are sort of coming out and defending it and talking about game probability and all this. And finally, somebody to their credit, then Deadspin basically just said, shut up. It was a stupid call. I mean, you know, the object was to score a touchdown and win the game, not to give yourself a 10% more probability of whatever. And so some of the contrarians are trying to somehow spin it that it was a good thing, but sometimes human beings just do dumb things, and this was a dumb thing yeah. when you have the running back. And, of course, I don't, you probably did see this statistic, the team ranked last against runs from the one- or two-yard line all season were the Patriots. Their strength was <laughs> right. their pass defense. You could run the ball on them. It was not It was not impossible to run the ball on them, and they had one yard. If they had – Four yards, I could see it. One yard, 
And I mean, it just and then Russell Wilson made a bad throw. Uh, the receiver, his, four, his like, if you're throwing the ball to Calvin Johnson or Des Bryant or Demarius Thomas or Rob Gronkowski, it makes a little more sense. You're throwing it to Ricardo Lockett, who's your number three or four receiver. It's like, it was just the whole thing was just kind of mind-boggling that it happened that way. And especially when two plays later they had this miracle catch when everybody and their brother was saying, "Up oh, here we go again with the Patriots." Yep. You know, Patriots are going to lose again on another miracle catch. <laughs> and, and so, uh, I mean, it was it was something that you, there's no way you can convince me that the smartest thing wouldn't have been to – hell, he would have been smart enough just spiking the ball, right? If you're, if you're closer to the clock, it would have been safer to spike right. the ball. But, yeah, it's just – and then well, you hear the Seahawks you, players themselves on the sidelines. Apparently somebody was on the sidelines, a reporter, who said they were just – before the play, everyone's saying, you know, beast, give it to beast mode. And then after the play, it was the WTF, you know, like, what did we just do? So, Well, if you um, want to call in and talk about the Super Bowl, the number is 347-945-7834. You know, I, I, one of the things that I was tracking through part of the game uh, about whether a couple minutes into the third quarter was missed tackles. And New England had, I counted in the first half and the first few minutes of the second half, at least five, three of them on Wilson. And, you know, I understand giving it to beast mode, but how about just having Russell Wilson run three times? Yeah. Dave yeah. Siren wrote a piece, kind of a conspiracy theory. I read about that. The, about the, the, the Seahawks not wanting beast mode to be the MVP because Russell Wilson is the, is the face of the franchise and Lynch might be gone and all this stuff. And, well, that's – that's fine and dandy. Then have Russell Wilson run. They had not been able to get Russell Wilson down the whole game. I think they got one sack, but every time he was running around, he he got at least a yard. And that's I mean, forget about Marshawn Lynch. Just have just keep the ball in the quarterback's hands. There's no exchange, and just have him run three times. There's there's no chance they don't score a touchdown if they do that. No chance. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that's the point. There is no chance. And then it goes back to something that Belichick would have gotten roasted for not calling his timeout and giving Brady time. Oh. And Brady even said he roasted. was – he said he would have said – Brady even said, I thought we were going to call a timeout. Like, you know, there's a minute six and the clock's running and running and running. And Belichick even sort of – even for him was sort of admitted he should have called it because he kind of said, oh, I eventually thought we were in the – you know, I liked our defense. But it was kind of like I think he realized if they scored, there would have been, what, 20 seconds, 21 seconds? Yeah, 20 seconds. And two timeouts. And so it was kind of like both coaches at the last minute just kind of lost their <laughs> their better yeah. judgment and just did things like – because I'm yelling at the TV because I, you know – I just was liking the game as a game and saying, why isn't Belichick calling timeout? And well, then and I was I wondering, was, why are the Seahawks running the ball? Like, you know, are they, why are they, everybody we were both, kind of standing around? We were in, in disbelief that he was not calling a timeout. And then, and then, of course, I mean, it was the brilliant no, no call a timeout because the Seahawks really didn't have time to sit back and think. They just reacted to what <laughs> yeah. the Patriots did, and it worked out perfectly. And you also have to talk about, and 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 Sherman and Wilson and Carroll have talked about that play that Malcolm Butler made. That play was an incredible play. Mm-hmm. They are a hundred percent right. 
It had to be an incredible play to get an interception there. And you can see he broke on the ball so quickly. And the way he he just he was going to catch that ball. And a lot of times defenders don't have that mentality. They just want to break up the pass. But he went after that ball saying, I'm going to pick this off. And for an undrafted free agent rookie who wasn't even in OTAs to make that play, that is it's pretty incredible. Of course, the Patriots well, on will show as much as I, yeah, I, 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 much I'm not a Patriots fan. I've always said Belichick's the best coach in football, and this these are the little details he does. Uh, I read a Bronco was it a Broncos blog I was reading where they the uh, Broncos ran the same play against the Seahawks in Week Two, scored a touchdown on it, and you better believe that Belichick knew that and said, you know, if they're in this formation with this bunch and you know this is what's going to happen, and these players are smart enough to kind of remember that, and apparently what the Butler got beat by the same play in practice Friday before the Super Bowl. They had the scout huh, team run the same play. And so they were prepared when they lined up in a certain formation. It's all about tendencies. It's like the NFC Championship game when the Seahawks threw the fake field goal. Apparently they knew when a certain Packer was on the field lining up on the right side that instead of taking containment, he would always rush the uh, the, the kicker. And so when he was in the game, the punter looked up and said, oh, my God, whatever, number 25 is in the game. So he calls the fake. And it's because they saw this little detail that I'm thinking, wow, that's the kind of stuff that people pick up on. And Butler was taught, watch for that route. And he read it perfectly. And you're right. In that case, he would have been better off going for the interception than trying to knock it down. Because if he knocks it down, give him two more plays to run the ball. So, of course. Um, yeah, and it was the, just play before. Yeah, good. The play before that one, the receivers ran the same exact route. Mm-hmm. They, they, they showed the, it was the same thing, so he had just seen it the play before. But when they ran the ball to Lynch? He, when they ran the ball to Lynch, you watched the receivers. The receivers oh, yeah, were yeah, yeah, yeah. the same pattern. It's a different. It's not Lockett. It's somebody else um, who's running that slant, but they line up the same way. Browner jams the first guy. Butler makes a break. So he had just seen this exact play, the play before. Yeah, you know, I thought about if the Colts were in that position, they can't run the ball. I would have totally supported any pass that they threw. And if Luck throws an interception, all right, you're going with your best guy. But <laughs> not the Seahawks well, and not with Marshawn Lidge. So. The Colts don't have one of the best running backs in the game. Yeah, exactly. They don't have and, a strong offensive line, and they don't have the yeah. best running – the best – running quarterback in all of football. And so it was really one of those things where you use, and that's why we love sports. What, what did we see? We saw something we probably are never going to see again. The combination of the miracle catch and then the miracle interception, basically in like two out of three plays. And it was pretty amazing that, and, the, and you talked about the going back to your opening is, that's why we like sports, and especially the NFL, because it's something that you're going to remember. Well, it's, it's been incredible the last couple of days. Everybody I've, ta- I've, I've talked to wants to talk about the Super Bowl. People who don't like sports, ev- everybody watched that play in, in disbelief. And, I don't know uh, if you saw yeah, the, so, the, the, There's these, all these memes going around. Yeah, I guess you didn't see any of the Super Bowl ads because you're at the game. Yeah, no. The nationwide ad where the kid dies at the end, which everybody is like saying is the worst oh. ad they've ever seen. 
What? You see that one? It's this little adorable kid saying, you know, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to go on the trip of my dream. It's all these things he's never going to do. And then they show this overflowing bathtub. And it's, well, basically, because I drowned in a, in a home accident, and home accidents are the most preventable thing nationwide is on your side. Everybody's going like, oh, my what? God. You know, why would you run this ad during the Super Bowl, this little tyke dying? And so one they of the means was an ad about a kid dying. Yeah, it was about how accidents are the you know home accidents are the most preventable cause of death. And this little kid talking about in essence all the things he could have done but he didn't do. And, and all they show is this overflowing bathtub. I think with a rubber duck in it. And of course, the implication is the little kid drowns in the bathtub. <laughs> and it was aired during the Super Bowl, and it's been the one wow. the worst Super Bowl ad ever, kind of thing. But someone did a little meme, a picture of this kid saying, I would have handed the ball off to beast mode, but I died. And so, <laughs> oh, my God. That is insane. Well, wow, you have to go I watch the ad now that. because it's kind of like, you know, that's that's the part of the conversation, too, as much as the game is, you know, stuff like the ads. And that was the one everyone was going like, what the? <laughs> well, the one they only showed in the stadium – uh, and, and for those of you who don't know, I mean, we've kind of been tuning our horn a bit. Outsports, the first LGBT publication credentialed for the for the Super Bowl, which I, you know, we're, we're, I, we're we're proud of, and I think is cool, and another small step for LGBT people in sports. I was I was at the game, and, and one of the few commercials they showed in the stadium was the one about playing like a girl. And yesterday, I was watching. Um, Fox News, and they highlighted that as one of the worst ads of the Super Bowl. And I thought it was this great ad showing these these people, some boys, some girls, some men, some women, just kind of showing how girls run and how girls throw, and it looks really, quote-unquote, stereotypically girly. And then you show like what the girls think, and and they're you know they they demonstrate the strength and speed and all the stuff that we associate with athleticism. I thought it was fantastic, and 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 it was the only ad they showed in the stadium that got the entire stadium cheered when when they showed it. But, but I saw Fox News panned it, and and a couple of my friends panned it, which I didn't understand. Well, I saw uh, 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 Chris Hayes on MSNBC did a little panel on the ads, and his panel liked it, but they also they want to run out and buy, what were they selling, women's maxi pants? Always. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, the one woman, I mortgaged my house after I saw that I had to buy always. And so, but they thought it tugged at the heartstring. I just didn't see the ad. I must have gone to the bathroom or something. But, um, yeah, it's a different experience when you're at a game, as we both know, because you do miss, in some ways, some of the national conversation about things like this. Um, and how was the halftime show at live? Yeah, it Being wasn't there. very good. She, I don't know if I don't know if she, if how, what sound they broadcast over the TV, but in the stadium they broadcast the the the, the studio track, and then she sang as they often do over the studio track, and she was missing some notes. <laughs> it was I was like, "Ooh, wow, that uh, that did not sound good." Did did they broadcast just the studio track or did could you um, hear her no, singing? No, uh, the, the, that was not a complaint. The the reviews of her show were generally positive. So 
the, whatever they broadcast on TV was cleaner. And they also generally put it on about a five or six second delay. So it's possible that they did something to clean it up. But um, on TV, it just looked very spectacular. I mean, it was very colorful and all that stuff. So uh, I'm wondering what it's like when you're in person. Well, it was, it, it looked, some of it looked good, but you know, the, the dancing sharks, it was, it just looked small. You know I mean? I'm in the yeah. 400 sections in the corner where the press box is and, and and also some of the stuff that they did on the stage didn't look right live. It was it was designed to look good on TV. So when I looked across the stadium on the screen, I was like, oh, that's what it looks like. That looks cool. But when you look just look down at the stage and all the different moving pieces of light, it just it looked like a mishmash. Like not quite what. Show, I didn't quite yeah, it really is a TV. Yeah, it's a TV show, and I think that's the idea that probably in person you're missing a lot. But during the game, is the game itself broadcast live as it's happening? Um, no. In fact, you know what was what drove me crazy is they kept showing replays, and and every time there was a pass, they would show the replay of the quarterback throwing the pass. But they wouldn't. It was like from the ground level, they wouldn't cut to the reception. I was like. It was so odd. It was it was actually one of the worst pieces of the game from watching in the stadium. Just how, what they broadcast on those giant screen TVs. You just couldn't understand totally what was going on. But there were no monitors in your part of the press box where you can watch the TV feed? No, because so there was the press box, and then there was an entire other section where almost... Mm-hmm. When most people were, I was in the second section. Outsports mm-hmm. hasn't quite gotten to the actual press box. Yeah, ESPN yet. level yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. We are we are not the Boston Herald and the Boston Globe and the New York Times and ESPN and CNN. Not quite yet. But you know where we were. Um, there was Reuters and uh, you know lots of other you know big names. Um, uh, that's where SP Nation was, and that's where Bleacher Report was. So. Just you know, being being there and being part of the game, it was it was it was awesome. And also, you know, being able what this, beyond the game, what the Super Bowl did is it gave us access to just talk to people about these kinds of issues. And you know, I'm working on a Michael. It's the one year anniversary of Michael Sam coming out. It's, it's coming up in a few days, and so I've been working on a piece, and I got to talk to Jason Garrett and and uh, Steve Mariucci and. And a, a bunch of other people in sports about Michael and 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 gay athletes. So that kind of access was was particularly cool. Did you know that? Did other? Did, did you get any sense that people outside of the media had heard of the website at all? Oh, it was it was it was shocking. People from the NFL, um, ESPN, met every publication coming up to me saying. We just love your stuff. I just love, I read your stuff all the time. I mean, out sports stuff. Just uh, we have a lot of readers. We don't even realize we have. <laughs> yeah, there was it was a lot. It was cool. I mean, it's it's great to know that people are truly reading what we're doing, and 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 people in positions of power able to do stuff about it. Um, again, we talked last week about the Michael thing. Is is there a sense that um, people think he'll be back in the NFL, maybe, or what's what is it? Well, the the big takeaway for me 
was that, I guess there were two. One, people are surprised that he, forget about that he was never picked up after the Cowboys released him. That's surprising enough to people. The fact that he has not gotten a futures contract, which doesn't cost a team anything, that is downright shocking to people. And so there was that piece. But the other piece is that people, I think, genuinely believe that he has the opportunity to get into the NFL if he works really hard. People still believe, whether they want to believe it, uh, it was wishful thinking or not, they, they believe that if he just busts his butt, he will get an opportunity in the NFL eventually. It's just going to take longer than it should have. But how do you get an opportunity if you don't get the opportunity, meaning you're going to be busting your butt, and how are they going to know you're busting your butt if they don't give you a chance to sort of try out for the team, basically? Well, that's that's the point. You have to uh, you have to convey um, that you are working hard. You know, by uh, you know, I think he's doing that. He's doing it on social media. He's showing that he is, in fact, out there. Uh, you know, he's at the Michael Johnson facility working out. He got his, his agents have to stay on top of teams. Uh, and there's, I don't know if you knew this. I didn't realize this, but there's there is a veteran combine coming up in a few weeks after the rookie combine. And going to that will be an opportunity for him, if if they decide to do that, to show them that he's faster and or stronger and he's still in shape and, and all that stuff. So so those are the ways to do it. And eventually somebody has to give him an opportunity. Other people talked about him going to Canada and, and, and other things like that to play. And so it's just, I think it's his, he's just got to find find ways, find opportunities to to showcase that he's out there working out. Well, and we have two examples in the Super Bowl. We had Butler with the interception, and we had uh, Chris Matthews, who was a Canadian Football League player. So neither guy was drafted and on a team and was a top pick, and yet they both made huge contributions to their teams. I mean, Matthews, you know, put his team in the position to win, and Butler sealed the deal for the Patriots. So, this idea that it's impossible for Michael to make a team is simply not true because it's been proven before. But I let's hope at some point someone gives him the chance to show what he got. Well, and Chris Matthews really is the great example. He's kind of bounced around practice squads. He was in the CFL for a while. So, I, you know, I it's it's so tough for Michael right now because he should he should have had his opportunity this year. He. Uh, you know, he did work hard. He he did look good in college. He his the combine wasn't great, but his pro day was a lot better. So, you know, he he should have had opportunities, and it's, I think it's hard. My guess is it's hard for him to kind of get over the woulda, coulda, shoulda, and really focus on on busting his butt. I mean, it's 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 not easy to do. Well, yeah, it has to be because you have to be try to portray this upbeat attitude, but then party is probably like kind of pissed off that it's not happening, and so you have to sort of translate that being pissed off into sort of working hard. But I, you know, I could see someone wanting to get discouraged, and that's it's a hard trick to sort of convince yourself you're to get that chance. And uh, I mean, it's amazing to see how much, in a sense, it's changed in a year. But then we're back in pro sports to like nobody out in any of the sports. 
Well, except again, Robbie Rogers. And, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I always think it's top four when I in my head. Yes, Robbie clearly, and Robbie got uh, acknowledged by President Obama when the uh, Galaxy went to the White House this Monday. So um, that's pretty, you know, special in and of itself. But uh, again, a year ago, the, there was nobody in the NFL or NBA. In that year, we've seen Jason Collins play a few games. We've seen Michael Sam. Uh, be in the training camp on an on a practice squad, but again a year later we're back to square one. So how 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 that changes? You know, I don't know. Somebody's gonna have to give Michael the opportunity. Well, you know, I think it's it's funny. You have the desert at the pro level, and you have still a lot more going on in the uh, lesser popular sports, so to speak, where people are coming out all the time. We have a great story about a Villanova swimmer who came out to his team, afraid the reaction, and they took him to Chipotle to celebrate. So, <laughs> And, of course, he's still not allowed to be in the Boy Scouts, which is a, yeah, well. a, a source of consternation for him. But Well, I'm sure, you know, in the coming weeks we'll be talking more NFL. The NFL never does totally go away. I don't think we'll have another Michael Sam in this year's Combine, but um, we'll be following Michael and... And, uh, you know, hoping that other people come out. And, and meanwhile, like Jim said, we'll be telling more stories of people in high school and college. Um, that's all we have this week. We'll talk to you next week.